0: Would you remain standing? I want to read some scripture to you as you prepare to hear from the Word of God today. Luke chapter 19 is where I'm going to be. Luke chapter 19, if you want to look that up on your mobile device while you're looking for that. I want to invite you if you're new or maybe if you came on the arm of a friend, uh, Laura and I, my wife and I, would love to meet you. After the service, we do something called Starting Point. Happens right out by the front doors. Uh, You'll see the room, look for the signs. Some of our staff will be there to greet you as well. We just want to say hi and just love to uh, just connect with you in in some way. Uh, We are in our series called Church Clothes. It's our third week of the series. And if you're new to the series, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But this series is really about the world has a misperception of who Jesus is and who the church is. And we gotta change that perception. We gotta put on some new church clothes. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter three gives us a, a kind of a, a list of what those kind of clothes should look like. What does it look like? And it's putting on the character of Christ. And so, Colossians chapter three, we've been uh, memorizing this, and so I want to put it on the screen. We're going to say it together. Then I'm going to read you another passage of scripture. But I want us to say this together, and this is what we're trying to memorize over the next few weeks. Read this with me. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This is the character of Christ. So every week in this series, we're going to be breaking it down. Today, I want to talk to you about kindness. And I want to talk to you specifically about the ripple effect of kindness. So if you are there in Luke chapter 19, let me read you some verses here. Luke, if you're new to church... Uh, Luke was not one of the disciples of Jesus, but he was one of the early followers of Jesus. He was a companion of the Apostle Paul. and So he um, got some eyewitness accounts, and this is one of the stories that he got about Jesus. Reading from verse 1 of chapter 19. By the way, I read out of the New Living Translation, so you want to be in the NLT. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said to him, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Good job, church people. Good job. Some of you are like, what was that? (laughs) That, That was just anybody who's ever been to something called Sunday school as a child, and you you know Zacchaeus was a, a a wee a wee little okay just stop just stop okay. <laughs> so, uh, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. He took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. How would you not do that? I mean, can you imagine Jesus going to eat lunch with me today? That'd just be awesome. Of course he's excited. And it says as when Zacchaeus did this, um, the people were displeased and they said this. He's gone to be the guest. Of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated people of their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, and this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Father, for the gift of your word, we are so thankful And so in these moments we have, we consider it a treasure, and we ask for you to speak to us. I would ask that your spirit would come and and just visit us today, be a part of this this gathering. Church, let's just pray for one another. Um, You might know the people around you, you might not, but let's pray that we would all have an opportunity to hear from him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray, just, God, just speak to me today. Pray for me as your pastor. Uh, Coming all the way back from Israel, got a little bit of jet lag, but excited to share, excited to share this word with you today. Uh, And if you're ready, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, have you ever had a moment in your life where you um, didn't exactly react in the kindest way? A few of you have not had that? Okay. Um, <laughs> I have uh, more times than I can count, but recently I was purchasing some eyeglasses online. I'd never done this before, uh, but I'd heard that, you know, you could get cheap glasses and, and it works out pretty well. And how, how many of you ever bought eyeglasses online? So you can see, okay, hardly any of you have ever. How many of you have ever gone online and done it? Or like looked at it? Okay, like none of you. Okay, great. So let me explain how this, because I want to make sure you kind of understand the context here. So when you go online to buy eyeglasses, that you take a picture of your face and then it puts the glasses on your face so you can see what you look like. So I, I found a pair, I liked them, ordered them up, got them, opened up the box, put them on, looked nothing like the picture that I had, I had downloaded. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to send them back and I was like, I shouldn't have done this anyway. And so I, I sent them back and, and I filled out this online form. And when I filled out the online form, um, it didn't have a place where I could check for getting a refund. And so down in the comments section, I just simply said in the comments section, hey, I didn't see the box for a refund, and and I am requesting a a refund uh, on my purchase. About uh, five days later, I I got an email back that said, uh, thank you for uh, your response and the return of your glasses, um, and we are giving you an in-store credit. That wasn't what I asked for, so I emailed right back and I said, "I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't see that I said in the comment section, I didn't check the refund box. I didn't check the refund box, but I, I'm asking for a refund." And then they responded back, "Yes, we saw that, sir. You didn't check the refund box, so we can't give you a refund." To which I emailed back again. And I said, no, you don't understand. I said in the comments section, what part of that did you not read? And I did a snapshot of it, and I sent it to them, and I said this, and they said, yes, sir. And they sent back their policy. And they said, well, according to our policy, because you didn't check this, this went on, email after email after email, like 20 emails. I mean, and of course, the spirit of the living God was oozing out of me. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to have to be an example of kindness to show you the way. Um, so I won't I won't read you every email, but I want to read you just the last two that were sent. Here's the one I sent. Joy. That was her name. How ironic. (laughs) Joy. This is very disappointing to hear. I am shocked that your company would not honor my clear explanation in the comment section asking for a refund. So far, so good. Would you not say pretty good? Not good? Yeah, not bad. Um then the tone changes a little bit. I, I am the president and presiding officer over a company. It's true. I mean, I, I mean you know, would you rather said I'm the pastor of Core Church? You would not have wanted me to say that, would you? you know, so I, I just I said that, and I said, I, I, I would never allow my company's reputation to be tarnished over $200. So far, not, not too bad, you know? Um, and I just said, that's a very small amount Uh, to your company and a a high price to pay for a negative impact on a customer. And then I just decided, you know, I'm going to try to be nice, but I'm going to get in a little jab here. I'm just going to get it, just get them, you know. And so here's my, mm, okay. I would highly recommend you read and learn from successful companies like Google, Amazon, and Zappos. (laughs) Mm, Good one. These Highly successful companies have a completely different response to customers, and the results speak for themselves. Sincerely, Brad Farnsworth. And then I received this response from Joy. Dear Brad, thank you for your reply. Sincerely, Joy. (laughs) Are you serious? Oh, it's on now. It is on. So I I'm like hitting reply, and I'm like, oh, and and have you ever, have you ever hit send on, a, on an email or a text and went, Oh, I wish I could have that back. I need to that back. I really need that back. You know if you ever had that moment? Just, I, oh man, it must have been the intervention of God. I did not write a nasty response in that moment. I did not send a response to that. But there are just moments in our lives where it is difficult for us to respond with kindness. I mean, we desire to, right? I mean, we, we all, we all want to be, be kind, but it's just, it's just not always easy. So today, I want us to look at the story of Jesus and how Jesus showed kindness to a man who did not deserve it. Let's look at Luke chapter 19. Go to verse 2 again. It says, there was a man named Zacchaeus, And he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, what this passage of Scripture doesn't say, but is so important to this story, is that he was not well-liked by the Jewish people. See, Zacchaeus himself was a Jew, but the Jews were under Roman occupation, and they were being oppressed by the Romans, and the Romans were taxing them to death. And so here's Zacchaeus, one of their own, collecting taxes for Rome and giving it to Rome. And so the people, they hate him. And, and not only is he collecting the taxes, but he's t- collecting a little bit extra for himself. So he's taking a little cut off the top, and he's getting rich at their expense. They're not happy with him. The, the truth is, is it's, easy, it's easy to be nice to someone when they're nice to you, isn't it? It's a whole other thing when they're a jerk. Like, when somebody is just a jerk, it's so difficult to be nice. Any parent that has a child that's ever played you sports, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the parents on the other team, have you ever just wanted to take their head off because they're just so stinking rude and mean, and they're just talking smack, and, they, and then they start to talk smack towards your kid, and you're like, oh, oh, it's on now. I mean, this happened to us We a few years ago. One of our kids was playing in a tournament up in Kansas, playing basketball, and um, this, they fouled the, the kid from the other team, and he stepped up to the free throw line, and my son was uh, on the line there, getting ready to, to rebound the basketball, and I yelled down from, from the stands, I yelled down, I said, hey, he can't shoot, I mean, he can't hit the broad side of a barn, make sure you box out, okay, he can't hit nothing, This lady, a couple of rows in front of me, turns around and said, that's my son. To which I looked down at her and I said, well, maybe you should teach him how to shoot free throws then. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. (laughs) You're all like, oh, my goodness, this message is for him. This is the pastor is the one who needs this message. He really needs kindness. No, I mean, I I thought it, but I, I didn't say it. But come on, have you ever had that where somebody who doesn't deserve kindness—it's—it's it's hard. Maybe it's your boss, and your your boss is pushing you extra hard, and you're working extra hours, and you're not getting paid for those extra hours, or he's putting demands on you, or maybe he's demoted you, or maybe he's just degrading, and it's just you're just so frustrated at him. It's so hard. Or maybe it's a coworker, or a coworker who's undercutting you and 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 pushing for a promotion or trying to manipulate a situation, and it's hard to be nice to them. Maybe it's a neighbor. A neighbor rolls up at 2.30 a.m. pumping some Tupac. I mean, you're just like, boom, boom, boom. You're like, really? 2.30 in the morning? I mean, it's, it's not easy to be kind to people who don't necessarily deserve kindness. But yet Jesus tells us that we need to be kind even when somebody doesn't deserve it. Here's what the words of Jesus from Matthew's gospel. Matthew, who was a disciple of Jesus, wrote this in chapter 5, verse 47. You don't have to turn there. We'll just put it on the screen. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus said this. He was talking about loving your enemy. And he said this. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Like Even the pagans do that. That's what this series is is, is all about. We're, we're, We're called to be different. We're called to put on the character of Christ, even to those who don't deserve it. Why? Because we are all created in the image of God. All of us, regardless of who you are. And if you're created in the image of God, you deserve the kindness of God upon you. The problem is, and the struggle is, is that some people, that image has been tarnished by life. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a silver pot, and you a silver pot that gets tarnished by the elements. Sometimes people get tarnished by life. Like life is just cruel to them. Life is not fair to them. Life is, is difficult. And, and kindness, here's what kindness is, kindness comes in. And when you are kind to someone, what it does is it helps to remove that tarnish, So so when you and I are kind to someone who doesn't deserve kindness, what we're doing is we are literally restoring the very image of God in a person's life. We're restoring them to what God intended them to be. So the question is, are you tarnishing that image with what you're doing, or are you helping to restore that image to its original luster? to its, its original purpose. Like when, when somebody is, is rude to you, are, are you, is your natural response just to be rude back, mean back, or or, or, are you gonna, or do we respond with kindness? Because when someone's rude, when it's driving in traffic, you cut someone off and they're rude, and, and then you're rude back. You know what we're doing in that moment? It's just a subtle thing, but you know what we're doing? We're, we're tarnishing the image of God. But but when somebody just as simple as somebody cutting you off in traffic and you just back off the accelerator a little bit. I'm preaching to myself right now by the way. <laughs> and you back off that accelerator just a little bit and you just kind of let them in. You know you know what you're doing in that moment? You're helping to restore that image by reacting with kindness. When someone hurts you and they don't deserve forgiveness. For what they've done. You have an opportunity in that moment. You and I have that opportunity to extend grace, to extend kindness, to forgive someone. But when we withhold forgiveness from someone, we're, we're tarnishing, we're tarnishing the image of God. But when you extend forgiveness to somebody and they, they don't deserve that forgiveness and everything within you says don't forgive them, remember what they did to you, but you say, you know what, I'm gonna forgive them. You know what you're doing in that moment? You're helping to remove the tarnish and you're helping to restore that person to the original image of God. If you take a notes so I'd like you to write this down. Kindness has a ripple effect. Kindness has a ripple effect. Effect. Turn to three people right now and say, Are you rippling? Come on, turn to somebody and say, Are you rippling? Are, are you rippling? Are you rippling? You got to be rippling. Are you rippling? Because Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus here, he, he hears that Jesus is coming and he's got a tarnished image, but he he joins the crowd. Now, this makes no sense. Think about this for a minute. This makes no sense. He he shouldn't have been there. They don't like him. They don't want him around. He should have been avoiding the crowds. He's disliked by them, but for some reason, he is drawn to Jesus. And I think the reason he's drawn to Jesus is because kindness has a ripple effect. What I wonder is, I wonder if he knew Matthew. Or I wonder if he heard the stories of Matthew. Because the scripture tells us this, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector for the region. Matthew, if you don't know, Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus, but before he was a disciple, he was a tax collector, just like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had to have heard the story, had to possibly known Matthew. And so Matthew, he's a tax collector, he's despised, nobody likes him, but his story is so similar to Zacchaeus' story, in that Jesus comes to Matthew, and calls him out from that life. He says, come out, follow me. I want to bring you into something different. And then he goes to Matthew's house, just like Zacchaeus. He goes to Matthew's house, and he eats with Matthew. And Matthew's life is transformed. Matthew's life is changed. And, and I, I wonder, I wonder if Zacchaeus, in this moment, if he said, hey, "If and Jesus could do that for Matthew. Maybe he could do that for me. And and maybe that's what drew him to go and seek out Jesus. Look look, at what it says in verse 4. So Zacchaeus ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for what? Let's say this together. Jesus was going to pass that way. Everything Jesus does is intentional. There's nothing by chance. There's nothing that is by mistake. Jesus doesn't just like run into Zacchaeus. Oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. No, he... He knows where Zacchaeus is going to be in this moment. And this is what happens in our lives. Our our, our lives are intersecting with people every single day. Our lives are intersecting with people who need kindness, who need to be shown kindness. All day, every day, intentionally, our lives are intersecting with them. People people who feel forgotten, like Zacchaeus. People who, who feel left out. People who feel discouraged, people who are disappointed by what life has brought their way, people who are, are lonely, people who are beat down, people who are tarnished by life. Every day, as a follower of Jesus, your life is intersecting with people like that, people whose lives are tarnished, and they're moving in this direction, and Jesus is purposely setting up an interaction between you and this person, but so many times we miss it. We miss it. Like here, the the people, nobody saw Zacchaeus. There's no way they saw Zacchaeus. He's hiding up in the trees, kind of behind the crowd. Nobody can see him. He's hiding up in the tree because he knows nobody likes him. But Jesus sees him. Jesus notices him. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to write this down. Look for sycamore places. Look for sycamore places. Look, Look for places that are just off the beaten path. Look for the, the, the places that are not easily visible or, or recognizable. A sycamore place like the waiter or waitress at the restaurant. So so many times as followers of Jesus, we go and we eat a meal at a, at a restaurant and you just get lousy service. A waiter or waitress isn't bringing you a drink in time. They're, they're not filling it up. Your food's a little bit cold. And they're not really all that great and that kind. So, in that moment, what do we typically do? Almost every time. No tip. Or very, very low tip. That's not very kind. It's just not kind. In fact, I, I think as followers of Jesus, I, I think when a waiter or waitress gives you the worst service, the, the worse the service, the higher the tip. That's what I think it should be. The worse the service, the higher the tip. And you're like, what? Have you ever thought about what's going on in their life? Is there maybe there's a reason why they're not very kind in that moment? Maybe things aren't going well at home. I mean, maybe, maybe that waiter is coming up and, and he's just struggling, he can't even hardly make the rent. Maybe the waitress, this is her second or third job. Or you don't know, maybe back behind the doors. Her manager or boss is just letting them have it, just ripping on them. And they're struggling because they need this job, and they're coming out. And as followers of Jesus, instead of pouring out kindness to them, we say, no tip. It's the worst thing we could ever do. I think as followers of Jesus, we should be the best tippers in the world. This is who we should be. The worse the service, the higher we tip. That's the people of Core Church. That's what we should be like. I'm all, I, I changed on this several years ago. Laura and I, we work hard at this. Whenever we see a waiter or waitress that's having a really bad day, we start praying for them. Like, not out loud, not standing up, putting our hands on them. And we'll pray for you right now. And we don't, that'd be rude. <laughs> but we'll pray for them because I, we don't know what's happening in, in their life. And then we leave them a good tip, a strong tip, just, to, just as a way of just kind of giving some kindness over to that person. You got to look for these Sycamore places. Might be a co-worker. Might be your boss. Might be that coach that's not playing your kid enough. And all you can think about and all you can get upside down about is that kid, my kid ain't getting enough playing time. My kid's not playing the right position. My kid's getting gypped. And so then we react in the wrong way to a coach. How do I know that? Because I've been on both sides of that. Because I've been the parent who felt like my kid wasn't getting enough playing time. Because I've been the coach who didn't give the kid enough playing time. I've been on both sides of that. And as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility in those moments to still react with kindness. This is not easy to do, but it's what we're called to do. So in verse 5, it says this. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he did what? Let's say this together. He what? Called him by name. He called him by name. Zacchaeus so often we um, label and we categorize people that we don't like If we don't like a group of people we'll just kind of categorize them we will label them we will dehumanize them and 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 when we do that what happens is they, they kind of become a faceless group and when they become a faceless group they're they're easy to hate they're just really easy to hate. Like it's just real easy to go, oh, those liberals. Oh, I don't ever watch that network because it's just the liberals. Or, or, or was like, oh, those right wingers. Oh, I don't watch that network because those right wingers. Oh, those illegals. Oh, those illegals. Oh, that LGBTQ. Oh. oh, that other church. We even talk smack about other churches. I don't understand that. Oh, you know, they're just stealing sheep. They water down the gospel there. That's what's happening there. <laughs> but we label people. And when we label people, we dehumanize them. And, and it's easy to hate them. But the thing we need to understand is they have a name. And they have a story. The, the, the crazy thing is, is that um, I don't know why we have this, but we have this kind of false belief that um, if I'm kind to someone or if I'm a, a friend to someone, I, 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 I said, let me say it this way, it, it, we, we have this misperception that I can't be kind to a person or be a friend of a person I, I disagree with. That doesn't make any sense. And frankly, it's just wrong. And, and the only way you can disarm that is when you sit down across the table from someone that you don't agree with and or that you have a misunderstanding about or um, you don't see eye to eye and you learn their name and you learn their story. That's been my my journey as a follower of Jesus. I remember a few years ago sitting across the table from uh a young lady who was um, transgender. Her name is Samantha. And she has a name and she has a story. And she was attending our church and she was wondering if she belonged and if she had a place and would people welcome her or would they push her away. And she told me her story and she was in the process of becoming a man. A very complicated, um, difficult conversation, but I said, you know, we started talking, and I said, I, I it's like, I was so. We just had this open conversation. I said, Do I refer to you as a man or a woman? I don't know. I mean, I really legitimately didn't know. And she said, Well, I prefer you refer to me as as a man, um, and call me Sam. So I did. And it was complicated because he didn't know what restroom to use. So we set up a a special restroom that they could use. I remember sitting across the lunch table from my friend Jamal. Some of you heard me tell the story of my friend Jamal. He's a Muslim. I said, hey, can we go to lunch? He's like, oh man, (laughs) not with you Christians. I know what you're gonna try to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You already know what I believe. You already know how I feel. I wanna know what you believe. I don't know what you, you're, you're dealing with. And we sat across the table from each other because you know those Muslims, they're nothing but a bunch of terrorists. And they all want to kill us and blow up our schools and our um, churches and our restaurants, and they're all terrorists. That's the way you feel unless you sit down across the table and you learn their story. And Jamal is one of the kindest, nicest men I've ever met. Remember at the end of that lunch, saying, hey, um, tell you what, Jamal, why don't you pray to Allah, and I'll pray to Jesus. And so he prayed to Allah, and I prayed to Jesus. And I just told him, I said, you know, the one thing I know is that the more that we seek God, he'll, he'll reveal his truth to us, and I know he'll reveal who he is. When I went to Israel on this trip, our trip was led by a rabbi named Moshe. And I don't know how you feel about Jewish people and the, the state of Israel, and there's just a lot of hate towards Jewish people right now, but I got to know and Moshe, and he's my friend. And on a Friday night, we went to a Sabbath meal at his house, and I, I watched him uh get up from the table and he went over to his son and he prayed this blessing over his son and then he prayed this blessing over his daughter and then he prayed a blessing over his other son and we broke bread together and I met his wife and I watched his children. they were no different than my children and we found common ground. There are things that we disagreed about. I mean it's you know I'm sitting there going, man, I, I believe the Messiah has come and, and we have some very healthy conversations, but he's my friend. And what I, what I know is, is when you know, learn someone's name and you learn someone's story, it's not easy to hate them anymore. And it's easier to be kind to them. What, what I know about this is that kindness, kindness sets the table for a conversation and a conversation opens up a heart. So if we'll sit down at a table and and show kindness to people, when we begin to show kindness to people, their hearts will begin to be opened. This is what Jesus is doing here in in this story with Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, goes to Zacchaeus' house, sits at his table, and learns Zacchaeus' story. In verse 7, it says this. Of course it says this. But, But the people were displeased. Well, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They what? They... They grumbled, okay bunch of legalistic religious people grumbling. turn to somebody right now, and tell them don't grumble don't grumble don't be a grumbler don't grumble Listen when, here's what's going to when you extend kindness, not everyone is going to be receptive to you doing that. Not everyone is going to be accepting to that. Not everybody is going to understand when you extend kindness to a people group or or people that are not like you or disagree with you or have a different belief system than you. There are going to be Christians that look at you and say, what are you doing? When we were there in Israel on the Sabbath, we got to go to a a Sabbath gathering to to church, and we got to go to a really cool uh, worship experience that they had at the Western Wall. Now, if you're not familiar with Jewish culture, um, the Western Wall is where the Temple Mount is. And it is controlled now by the Muslims, and so the Jewish people can't go in there, and the temple is no longer there. But this wall is, a, is the wall that remains, and the closest they can get to the Holy of Holies and so they gather there for times of worship and, and for prayer. And so every um, Friday night, they have church. And so thousands gather at the Western Wall. And we got to go. Look at this picture. This is a picture of them gathering for worship. Thousands of men, men on one side, women on the other side. And our, um, our, our guide, Moshe, said, now, you guys can go in there. And 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 you can, you know, intermingle with them. And I, I want you to experience. I want you to know. It's like, I was freaking out when he said that. Because I was, you remember the first time you ever went to church? You, you came to church as an adult. Do you remember that? Wondering, am I wearing the right thing? Am I standing the, the right way? I mean, do I, oh, they're raising their hands. I guess I'll raise my hands. And he, I mean, you just don't know what to do. And you feel underdressed. That's exactly how I felt in this moment. I mean, I was so uncomfortable. And I was sweating. I'm like, I mean, I, if you, if you didn't notice, I don't look Jewish. So I wasn't going to be able to hide in the crowd. And so I'm walking through the crowd and I'm watching them, but it's not like a mega church worship experience. They're actually in this experience. They're gathered in these little groups like little house churches. Some of them five people, some of them ten, some of them forty or fifty people. They're, some of them are reading scriptures together. Some of them are singing. Some of them are are, are praying together. It was an amazing experience. Well, as I, I began to walk out of that experience, there was a group of uh, uh, young men. And they were dancing around this table, just dancing around like crazy. And there were a couple of older men in the circle dancing with them. And I stopped to watch them because it was amazing to watch. And they saw me and one of them opened up the circle and he motioned for me to join them in the circle. I was, I was like, ah, and, and he's like, come on. And so I was like, all right, I'm all in. And I jumped in, I grabbed this kid's hand. I reached for somebody else's hand. When I grabbed this guy's hand, he turns around to look at me I thought when he looks at me, he's gonna be like, ah no, 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 no. You don't get in our circle. No, no, no. This is our circle. You go find your own circle. But he didn't. He looked at me with this huge smile on his face, grabbed my hand. Next thing I know, I'm like, Hada, ha da, ha da, ha da, ha da. I mean, something to that effect. I don't know what they were saying. It was in Hebrew. Give me a break, okay? So But I was trying the best that. come on, you all, do you remember your first church experience faking it like you were singing the song and you weren't singing the song? Okay. That's what it was like. But I was loving it because I was dancing around in this circle, you know, this huge old white guy just dancing around with all these Jewish kids. It was so much fun. It was so overwhelming to me. And we did this and we caught some video of it. Mike Martin, some of you know Mike, he was on the trip with us, him and his wife Nellie. And... There's only three seconds of this video and it's just before I jumped in the circle and it's only three seconds because it's the Jewish Sabbath and you're not supposed to be shooting video or taking pictures. We didn't know that. So we only got three seconds. But I want you to watch this. You know, you're going to look in the left-hand corner and you're going to see the circle of kids, okay? So watch this. It's only three seconds. Excuse me, please. You see that? I got to go into that circle. It was just so awesome. Listen, this is who we are. This is who we are at Core Church. We open up our arms to everyone. We open the circle. We are people who extend kindness. This is what we are. This is who our God is. This is the kind of church clothes we're supposed to put on. This is what the character of Christ looks like. We open up ourselves, and we invite all in. Everyone is welcome. We extend kindness. So Zacchaeus, he's overwhelmed by... Jesus' kindness, and he offers to give back everything that he has stolen. In verse 9, it says this, Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I think the kindest thing we can do for a person is introduce them to Jesus. It's the kindest thing we can do. And saying that I'm scared to share my faith, I think, is sometimes kind of a cop-out because it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. Around here we we talk about intercede, invest, invite. Intercede, begin praying for people. God give me opportunities to show kindness. Give me some sycamore places. Show me where I can show kindness. Invite, simply when the opportunity is right, when you know the moment is there, invite them to come to church. But I think the one that we skip is invest. Invest, it's investing in somebody's life just simply means to do good. To be kind. Like, that's what Jesus is doing here for Zacchaeus in this moment. He's investing in Zacchaeus' life. He's showing kindness to Zacchaeus. This is who Jesus was. He he not only showed uh, kindness to Zacchaeus, but this is the story of of his life on this earth. He extended kindness to the disciples, to some fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. He extended kindness, invited them into fellowship. He, He went to Matthew, a tax collector, and invited him into fellowship. And this is... Who he is, because kindness has a ripple effect. And here's what that ripple effect is transformed lives. When we were there at the Sea of Galilee, we were in the same village where Jesus um, spoke with Peter and Andrew and Philip. It's the village that they lived in. And we were walking the shoreline and we had just a few minutes. This is our last uh, stop on the trip. And they gave us about 30 minutes just to spend some time to ourselves. And walking the shoreline where these men were called by Jesus is incredibly overwhelming. And I was just walking, and I had about five minutes left, and I was headed back towards the bus. And when I was headed back towards the bus, I I ran into this young man right here. And he was about 10 feet in front of me, and he was singing in Korean. And I recognized that he was singing a, a Christian song. And so I walked up to him, and I said, hey, do you, do you speak English? And he said, yeah, yeah, I do. And I said, are you, are you a Christian? He said, yes. And I said, man, I, I'm a Christian. And, and in that moment, I said, can we take a picture together? So we took this picture together, and we stood there on the, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee together, and, and we recognized and realized that kindness has a ripple effect that rippled out over 2,000 years. Jesus, kind to some fishermen and those fishermen in turn were kind to others and that gospel message of kindness went out and rippled out to two different continents in two different languages when him and I were standing there on the shores we were just overwhelmed to think we are the product of kindness like we we are the result of kindness we're standing here where our savior stood where he recruited these men and now we're the result of that kindness like the call of my life and the passion of my life is to extend the kindness of God to every man, woman, and child that I possibly can. I want them to know the hope of Jesus. I want them to know the healing of Jesus. I want them to know you can have peace. You can have purpose. I just I'm eaten up with it. I'm obsessed with it. I just want to reach as many people as I can. But what was amazing in that moment was God just let me have a moment where he said, Brad, you're the result of kindness. Like somebody showed me kindness, and my life has been transformed. I wonder what's going to happen in your life because you extend kindness. What's going to be the ripple effect? Listen, I I don't know how everything plays out on the other side when we get to heaven, but I I just envision it kind of like this, and I just envision that you're standing there one day, and you're at the gate and you're talking with Jesus and, and somebody walks in and you don't know them and Jesus says, Oh, hang on a second here. I want to introduce you to this person, I want to introduce you to this young lady, and you meet this young lady, you don't know who she is, and and, and Jesus says, No, no, no. Let me, let me tell you the story. So do you remember, do you remember when um that waitress? You remember how she, she was just rude and she didn't she wouldn't she didn't fill your drink. And you remember, it was the worst service you ever had that day. Do you remember, do you remember how, though, you just you treated her with love? You treated her with kindness and with generosity? You remember how you just overwhelmed her? It has a rippling effect because I want to introduce you to her, her great, 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 great granddaughter. I just believe that. I believe that to be true because I'm a product of kindness and you're a product of kindness. So let's be that. For others, let's put on those kind of church clothes and extend kindness to this world that is in desperate need of it.